Good morning. How is everybody today? How are the mothers? How many of you are glad you have a mother? How many of you have a mother? Wow, I'm glad to see that because I was that you didn't answer affirmative to that. I was going to have some real questions for you. Everybody can hear me okay? Somebody asked me in Sunday school this morning, were my parents still alive? No. Uh, my father passed away in 2012. Mom came, she passed away in 2014. So uh, my mom and dad are no longer with us. If you still have your mom and dad, you are a blessed person. I have memories, wonderful memories. I will always cherish my memories of my mom and dad. I got to spend wonderful days toward the end of their life. I was their caregiver. And um, so I had uh, mom and dad, mom especially living with me. Dad um, just did, um, you know, the doctor things. We went to the doctor together and uh, me and dad and spent time in the car together just um, enjoy and he became my best friend now some of you um, can't imagine your mom or your dad being your best friend if you're a young person you have best friends but mom and dad are those guys that won't let you do some things but uh, as you get older they get smarter and um, you learn to appreciate them in ways that you never did before and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about uh, my dad became my best friend I was his confidant. Um, some people have the um, experience of sort of changing places with their parents where you become their caregiver and so you sort of, um, they become almost like children. I never had that experience, uh, certainly not with my father. He was always the authoritarian in my life. He was the one that said, thus saith your father. And boy, he meant it. But um, it is good to be able to uh, have a special day to remember our moms and then later on in the year to remember our mom, our dads. Um, my, uh, we were listening to the ladies here and they honored not just their mothers but women who influenced them. The Bible has a lot to say about mothers and it really means mother. Um, but it does talk about in Proverbs 31, um, women, a wonderful woman, a husband, a mother, a head of her household, as it were. But there are lots of women who don't have the chance to have children. My wife is one of them. We got married when I was, when she was 41, I was 43. And she had had some physical problems and could not have children. Um, that has been a very special, painful thing for her because she loves children. She loves them. Um, so for the women here who may not have had children, I honor you this morning. If you have a heart and wish your desire would have been to have children, I want you to know. God has a special place for you too. 
But I do want to talk a little bit about mothers this morning, and it's from a little bit different perspective. Um, the title of the sermon this morning is, How Good is God's Love? How, how Good is God's Love? It's from Isaiah chapter 49, and we'll be there in a moment. Isaiah 49, we're just going to read four verses beginning with verse 13. But before we do, let's just ask the Lord to be with us this morning. Father, as we begin here in this portion of the service where your word is presented, we do so, Father, with the hope and the desire that you will speak to hearts, that it will be your Holy Spirit that ministers to us this morning through your word, through the speak, spoken word. Each of us, Father, here this morning has come with the need to hear you, to hear from you, to sense your presence here this morning and to leave here with a certain understanding that we've been in the presence of the Lord God himself. Your promise is where two or three are gathered in your name, you'll be there in our midst. And Father, we've come today gathered in your name because you're the one who has made it possible for us to have relationship with you. We come this morning as your children to honor you and to praise you for what you've done in our midst. And we ask, Lord, you be with us in keeping with your promise. We thank you, Father, that you're ever faithful and that you hear us when we cry out to you. So we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 49, these four verses. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee Upon the palms of my hands, thy walls are continually before me. The prophet begins with these four verses by reminding us that we have good reason for praising him. If, there are, if there's something I think the church has lost its ability to do, Sometimes it would be this very area. I wonder if we really praise God for what he's done for us. We just got through singing some songs, uh, wonderful songs. And we come here on Sunday mornings and we do this as a regular course. But when we leave here, are we still praising God? In our everyday work experience or life outside of church here, are we using time during the day to thank God, to praise him for what he's done? How many of you think that you're blessed this morning? Well, there's a lot of people here that feel that way. How many of you realize or remember what it was like to have 
testimony services where people stood up and gave praise for what God was doing in their lives. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 42 where it says God wants us to sing a new song. Now, that isn't the new song that we don't know and they put up on the board here. It's an individual, private experience that each of us is supposed to be in line with where we sing a new song of praise that comes up, wells up out of our experience with God. What is God doing in our lives? Are we singing praises that somebody else has written for us? Or do we take the moment, a time to to come into God's presence and say, Lord, let me just praise you for what you're doing for me. Maybe I've never never sung this song before, but let me give you a new song of praise. By the way, one of the shortcomings we used to have in testimony services was that people would have um, memorized their testimony. Y'all remember them, don't you? There's folks that would stand up and they'd say exactly the same thing every time. You'd wonder, was God ever doing anything new in your life? But, But most of us here this morning realize that God is actively at work in our lives and there are reasons why today, this past week, we have a reason to praise him because God's been busy in our lives. Hasn't he? Don't we, don't we, there's another verse that says that, and I think this is in in Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. There's a word we don't use very much. Comely. Comely just means that it's appropriate, it fits the time and place and, and the Bible says that praise for those who are righteous, those who are in upright, it's something that is absolutely always in season. Now I know we can half-heartedly, without really thinking, PTL. Right? Oh, well, PTL. Praise the Lord. See some of you going. We can, but 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 even saying praise the Lord sometimes is something that we just say. It isn't really coming from any place inside of us. It's something we say just to alleviate the need to say, "Well, we praise the Lord." But are we really praising Him? Because I want to tell you something. I can imagine there are times in your life when you knew God really did something special for you. And boy, from deep down inside of you came this welling up of praise for him. Oh, praise you, Lord. Father, you've just done something miraculous for me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we need to be reminded, amen? Anybody here ever had that chest pain? You're going, oh, well, what's that? And the doctor said, you just had gas. And your first thought was, praise the Lord. Amen? 
Sometimes we wait until we have good reason, forgetting all the times when God's mercy has been extended to us that we weren't even aware that he was merciful to us. My wife, uh, this past week, she was coming home from the church. It may have been a week before last, but she came home and she was visibly shaken. She had pulled out in front of somebody and they slammed on the brakes and she knew you could not have convinced her otherwise God spared her but how many times do we do something that we aren't aware that God's sparing hand saved us and we go right through life like we don't know him any praise. The Bible says that if we don't praise him, you know what will happen? The rocks and the trees will praise him. That's how much he's due praise. And God's people should be all about praising him. For he has done great things for us. My dad, um, speaking of parents, my dad always would stand up. And this, he would preface his testimony, or sometime he would say it in his testimony, these words. I tell it to keep it, and I keep it to tell it. And there was something in there that, that told me that his praise, his testimony, was something that he continually recognized was his responsibility and he was diligently going to stand up, given the opportunity, and give God praise for what he was doing in his life. He saw it as an absolute necessity for his Christian life that he praise God publicly for what he... You know, the Bible makes mention of this, that I praise the Lord in the house of God. Before God's people, I praise him. Do we do that? In this lesson this morning, we were talking about Barnabas, the son of, y'all can do better than that, the son of what? Encouragement. How many of you think that, you, that your testimony might be an encouragement to others? Then why are we quiet? Come on, church. Why are we quiet? Has God blessed us? Shouldn't we be vocal about it? I'm not uh, by nature, you would not believe this, but I'm a quiet person, really. Uh, when I was very young, I was shy. I didn't really talk a whole lot. It was something I had to overcome as a preacher. I had to get up in front of Matter of fact, there was a time when I never could have seen myself doing this. Speaking to people in front just would have scared me to death. But God gave me something inside and said, you, you can't sit down, boy. You're going to have to get up and tell them what I tell you. Amen. But I have had to make a, a concerted effort in public to find ways to tell people I'm thankful for God and what he's doing in my life. You want me to get those for you, sir? Take my car. Oh no, I'm I'm 
I'm able to do it because God's blessed me. Amen? Just little things. But what it does is it tells people my dependence is not on my ability. It's on the one who makes me able to do. I, I depend on him. Amen? You've got to find ways to let people know he's important to you. If you aren't, if you aren't doing that, you aren't doing what you're responsible to do. So much so that God says, you don't do it. I got a backup plan. The trees and the rocks will do it for you. Jesus put it this way. If you're ashamed of me before others, what else did he say? I want you to think about what it means that we are called to be people who people of praise and thanksgiving. So given the opportunity, we ought to be Johnny on the spot, shouldn't we? We ought to jump right up and say, let me tell you what Jesus is doing in my life. Amen? Think about that. It's important. But there are times, like in verse 14, where Zion says, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Anybody here ever felt like that? Wow, you guys are really are blessed, because I'm going to tell you, there's a, on, on occasions, there are times when I feel that way. You have bad things happen in life, and you wonder, where's God in this? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to I think that part of maturing is that you come to understand just bad things happen. But I hear people every once in a while who blame God because something bad happens, like you're supposed to have this rosy life. But you and I know that that's not really realistic at all. However, when it happens to me, there's more of a likelihood at that moment that I will go, God's forgotten me. What happens whenever you feel that way? What happens when you find yourself in that situation? And I want to just make sure everybody understands, it's not your brother or your sister that will find themselves there. It's you. You will find yourself in a place where it feels like God has forsaken you. God's forgotten you. Well, why would God let that happen? Do you know that there is no such thing as a faith life until the faith life is lived when it feels like God's forsaken you? You don't need faith to walk on the mountaintops. Amen? Anybody here realize that? You know, when everything is going well, you just got the rage, you bought a new house, you got a new car, your fridge full. You know, everything is going wonderful. All of us go. Man, God is good. Man, God is good. Look at what he's done for me. And truth is, God is good. But God is good all the time. God is good. Thank you. Seeing if anybody's paying attention. And you were. 
God is good all the time. Not just when you're on the mountain. When you're in the valley, God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you, but he is watching you. Because it's in the valley when he says, now do you walk by faith. Now do you declare to the people that even here, my God is faithful. Even in this place, when it feels like he's gone away from me, when he's forsaken, when he, when he isn't remembering me, even here, he's faithful. And I will praise him even louder here. I think I've mentioned before, one of the things I'm praying as I get older is that I'll have grace to die. Why, why is that? Because there aren't many places in life that are darker than when you feel like your life is dwindling down and there are no more options. What, do you, what are you projecting to the world around you when that's happening? What are they seeing? Are they seeing the goodness of God? Oh, grant, it, grant that it be so that, that, that in the darkest days that you live, your family and your friends, at that moment, see the wonderful goodness of God in your life. Because that is a radiant testimony. That's the kind the world needs. There may be some around you in those dark days that you experience where you're praising God and they look at that life and they go, how is that possible? How can you be there and still give God glory and praise for, how, for his goodness? Amen? He's good there. But God goes one step farther and he says, Will a mother forget her child? I wanted to spend a moment about talking about mothers because I want to tell you something. There has never been a time, I don't think, in history where motherhood has taken a harder hit than it is today. And I am so disappointed in the church for what they're allowing to happen in our society where we are letting them make motherhood so much less than it is. Now, being a mother or having the opportunity to be a mother doesn't make you a better person. But when a mother is really a mother. It's something special to see. It's something special to experience. Amen? Did you have a mother like that? Some of you, I suspect, did. There may be some here this morning, though, would have to say, my mom wasn't much of a mother for me. Come on, church, that happens. We have made society 
we've allowed society to get to the place where it says that mothers shouldn't even be mothers. They ought to be something else. When you are a mother, you are giving up your rights to be what you could be. Mothers are second-class citizens. They're nothing but women under some man's thumb. Come on. Shame on the church for letting that be heard. Shame on the church. And women, let me tell you something. I'm not a woman. Some may think I don't have any right here, but I want you to hear something. God's word says that women have a place. Men have a place. You go back to Genesis, and God prescribes our place in his economy. He says that women, the curse on women is that they will have pain in conception and pain in delivering a child and that their desire will be their husband and, they, and he will rule over them. That is a, that's what God says the consequences of sin are for a woman. Now, a man is cursed too. It says that the world, the whole organization, the world is going to be against a man and that all of his life he will struggle just to provide for his family and for himself. And Jesus goes one step farther and says that the man is like Jesus who gave his life for the church. A man has to say no to himself his whole life and provide for the wife. He needs to love her more than he loves himself. Now that's, you, you can argue all you want to about that. Just have a hissy fit, go out in the parking lot and throw a tantrum, I don't care. But God says that's where we are. And it's about time God's church says, yes it is. Now let's move on. But we have said, that's demeaning to women. My wife would differ with me. Not because I'm an ex a wonderful example, but she knows that God has her in a place and she's not ashamed of it and she is all about being a woman. She's proud of her womanhood. She wears it like glory. Amen? She's not ashamed of her womanhood. She's not ashamed to be a wife. She sees it the greatest calling God could have given a woman, and she loves it. Do you know I don't make, she has more freedom than I do. Now, you may not think this, but I'm telling you, I don't make, I don't buy cornflakes without asking her. Well, I do. I mean, I'll, I'll buy groceries, but I'm serious. You know, I, I don't buy anything anything of importance I mean if it's 20 bucks I talk to her you know why she's my chief counsel I'm serious God's given me a mental ability to look at a big picture but my wife has this inner core that, that points in, it's like a compass and man she can point right to right 
And anything that isn't right, she goes, that doesn't feel good. I wouldn't do that. You better listen to her. I don't look smart. But I'm smart where it comes to my wife. Because I have invested in her and I know who she is. And I trust her implicitly. Don't tell me about the value of a woman. There's nobody in my life more valuable than she is. Nobody, my son included. And I love my son. But my wife, I chose her. <laughs> she has a special place in my life. Why have we allowed our society to make women something else? Why aren't we valuing them the way God intended that we value them as precious, precious, precious treasures? And I want to tell you something. We aren't treasuring them today. It's invaded the church. So many Christian women today who are really caught with this lie that, man, you, you just aren't valued. Society just doesn't. The church, oh, the church just thinks it's demeaning to follow the doctrine of the church. How can God's plan ever be demeaning? Did you hear me? How can God's plan ever be demeaning? If it's demeaning, it's because you don't understand his plan. God actually goes so far to say this. My love is past understanding. You really can't comprehend how great my love is. But if you need some kind of example of what love like mine it looks like, it's kind of like a mother's love. Greatest example God could come up with, it's kind of like a mother's love. And some of you know what that means, what that feels like. You know that mother's love. I mean, you just... You just couldn't do enough wrong where she would turn her back on you. I could do things wrong and mom would know I had done things wrong and she'd say there must be a reason. My boy wouldn't do that without a good reason. You hear, you hear that mother's love? Because she loved me. You know there's a mystery there. How can a woman go through the pain of childbirth and then line right up to do it again? What's wrong with y'all? Amen? You hear what I'm saying? How can they go through what is considered some of the most horrible pain you can experience a woman going through childbirth where you literally feel like you're being torn apart, torn apart. In some cases, you are being. And yet she will turn around and do it again. Scientists can't explain it. There's a myth that says women forget the pain. No, they don't. 
What are you, nuts? But something does happen when a woman has a baby and they take that baby and they place it on her breast. There are some women who say that when they place that baby on their breast, the pain goes away. They call it the halo effect. What is that? I want to tell you something God loves. God loves in ways we can't understand, but the closest he can come to explain it is, you know how your mama loves you? It's kind of like that. Closest I can come to explaining how much God loves you. Shame on the church. Shame on the church. Our mothers deserve more than that. And men folk, we ought to be the ones that stand up for them. How dare you talk about my wife like that, my mother like that. You must not know what a mother is. There's no greater calling on earth than a woman who gives herself to bring another person into this world. And where in the world have we come to that we would allow abortion to have its way in this lost world? 65 million babies gone in this country, in this country alone, over a billion worldwide. What has been lost? And yet today, women will talk about their bodies and the right to control their bodies, even as they kill another body. You know what's happened? Society has talked so bad about mothers, mothers have begun to believe it. Women have begun to believe it and don't see the value, the sacredness of the wonderful institution God given, gave when he gave us mothers. <clears throat> now I know some, some women aren't, they just aren't mothers. Some men aren't fathers. God made men and women for specific roles in life, and we ought to honor God and honor those roles. We're all excited now because uh, there's a possibility that Roe, Wade, Roe v. Wade might be overturned. Well, it won't be overturned. It'll be pushed back to the states. So we're excited about all that. My question, how did it get there? How did it get to the place where the church would allow that? How did we get where we are today, period? You know, uh, we can talk about how society has gone downhill, but do you know what the real problem has always been? It's us. We forgot how to praise God. 
We forgot how to be a living testimony in the darkness where we, at, we're supposed to be stars in the darkness, shining lights in the darkness. But when we keep the shining light in here, the world gets darker and darker. Should be an expectation. We should understand that's what's happening. Amen? We need to be about our Father's business. And our Father's business is to honor the roles he's given us in life. Honor them and praise God for them and make sure that the people who are fulfilling those roles, we appreciate them. We know what it cost. Mothers and fathers. By the way, you know, that's part of the problem too. You got lots of you know how to you know how to keep from having. Uh, there's maybe some here. Does anybody know how to keep from having babies? Doesn't look like anybody here. I was going to say what you do is don't do what it causes babies. Amen. That's the decision you make. You want the will. You want the sacrosanct authority over your own body. Then say yes or no to what causes babies. But having made a baby. You're responsible for it. It's not the baby's fault. It's the mommy and the daddy's fault. And both of them are responsible. Equally, at least, it might be like a 60-60 or a 70-70. Amen? Where you don't, you don't go, well, you don't know what. No, you, you did it. Amen? We used to expect that, folks. We used to shame people who had babies outside of wedlock, and we should have. Love them, understand that they need care after the fact for moms they find themselves, but you shouldn't do that. Because when you do, you've stepped over a line. There's a cost to pay. The cost is that you now don't have a life just of your own. You have a baby. Amen? Well, it's inconvenient. I'd, I don't want to be, I don't want to be burdened with the baby. Oh, you, sorry, you made the decision. Did you, you don't know what causes them? Because I can help you with that. But once having made that decision, you're responsible. That used to be understood. Why isn't it now? We're responsible for making sure that people know that. It starts here. Amen. It's us. And I expect that there are some here, even here this morning who will say, boy, that, that, that preacher's meddling. Maybe a little bit. But if so, it's because I think God wants to meddle with you. Pay attention to what we're responsible for. We're responsible for being good parents. Amen. Moms and dads. And we're responsible for letting the world know that's God's plan. Amen. Let's stand. You
Father, we're thankful this morning that you have shown us how far you'd go. On Calvary, Jesus spread his arms wide. He included all of us when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's the greatest expression our world has ever seen of love, and we thank you for it. We ask this morning that you would help each of us to recognize for ourselves the gift that is offered, to accept that gift, the gift of Jesus. We thank you too, Father, for the precious gift of our moms. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless each one who's here today. We are thankful for them. We appreciate them. We honor them. And we thank you for them. We ask your blessing on their lives and on the congregation's lives. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.